Welcome to the Opioid Den with J.L. Covan. I am your host, J.L. Covan. No, guys, hi. Welcome. It's uh, another installment of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I am J.L. Covan. It is January 8th in the year of our Lord, 2023, at 12.35 p.m. Eastern. And uh, I'm working on five hours sleep. Um, we'll get to that adventure soon. It was, uh, quite the weekend in Long Island. It was quite the weekend. That is how I will tease the substance of this episode. But, uh, not a lot of sleep. Woke up, went to 8.30 mass. Uh, just an update. I mean, you talk about a glow down. We went from Filipina organ player with tremendous calves uh, maybe from pressing the pedal, maybe just genetics. I think it's just genetics. But we went from from her, you know, the, the Filipina look is is like, a, is she Asian? Is she Mexican? Is she both? I'm intrigued. Uh, we went from her playing the organ, looking looking very nice, to now we have middle aged white guy with acoustic guitar. So I don't think you could have more of a drastic drop in ecclesiastical music services than attractive Filipina playing the organ to middle-aged white guy on the acoustic guitar. Uh, so, you know, I'm still a believer, but, you know, I remember hearing something in church as a kid, uh, you know, when you sing, it's like praying twice. I think they just said that to get people like me who were bashful about singing in church to sing. I never really bought it, but I will say this. When you're a, uh, an attractive Filipina playing an organ, uh, it makes me want to sing twice, even though I won't. And when you're a middle-aged white guy on the acoustic guitar, it cuts my enthusiasm to sing by a factor of 10. So, um, you know, I think that's going to be part of my spiritual journey this year is, is coping with going to church. It wasn't, I don't go to church. You, you might be shocked to hear this. I don't go to church. Um to see uh, surprisingly attractive uh, musicians playing instruments. Um, I go to church for church. But as the horrible rock band in the 80s, Cinderella, said, Don't know what you got till it's gone. And now that she's, she's not here anymore, I'm like, boy... You know, it's like when I go to a movie and I don't get popcorn, sometimes I have the idea of like, do I even like movies or do I just like big spacious rooms with good snacks? <laughs> and that's how I'm feeling right now. I got so used to this, this just nice looking, you know, music teacher vibe, but like just, okay, okay. It made church, it made church easier to go to. I, I don't miss mass regardless, but it was, and now you know, it's, it'd be one thing if this guy was tickling the ivories or something or just giving me... Because let me tell you something. I've talked about this in previous installments of the Righteous Brick Podcast, but one of the most significant religious experiences I've had in my adult life, and I am not kidding, I was at the Tampa Improv, and I went to, for the weekend, and I went to church. Cookie, just let's keep it down there. Thank you. I went to uh, church. And I forget the name of the church, but it was near the Tampa Improv, four o'clock vigil mass before the Saturday shows. Um, and this person, the man singing, nearly moved me to tears because it was it was as much the embodiment of, wow, like the church was a quarter full 
And this guy had a voice that was that was bestowed to him by by a higher being. And the way he said, I was just like, I've I went up to the priest after, you know, when they shake hands, they're like, oh, thanks for coming. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm visiting for the weekend. But boy, oh, boy, was that some great singing. And I, I I've told the story before, but I wanted to almost go up to. Um, the singer after and just go, that was like moving. And I didn't want to, this is, this is how awkward it sort of is to feel like a, a Bible thumper or a holy roller. I didn't want to weird him out, which is a weird thing to say. Cause it's like, well, we're both at church and you're, you're singing. I'm receiving the Eucharist. You're, you're singing in church. So you've, you've got to have some sort of spiritual religious commitment here. And yet I was still just like, nah, I don't want to weird the dude out. But it was, it was, uh, man, how great thou art. I still remember that was the closing song. And it was just, it was like, you know, it was, it was, it was the, it was the religious equivalent of me seeing Guns N' Roses for the first time in concert in 2016. I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's how, like, it was just, it was beautiful. It was like, it wasn't just good singing. It was like, wow, you are, you are giving life to this experience with your talent. And I can't imagine there's any better feeling than that if you're if you're singing in church. Um, I mean, I'm sure it would be cool to have like a hundred million dollars and Grammys and platinum records. But if you're singing in church, is there any better calling? Is there any better thing than feeling like your music really moved people? So the point being, this isn't just gendered. I, this, if this guy showed up and was just playing the piano like like Elton John um, and 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 belting out. Uh, uh, hymns, I'd be like, hell yeah, good job. But it's when you, when you drop off from, 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 you know, where we were to, to where we are now, it's going to take, uh, you know, what I'm asking my listeners is to pray for me, basically pray for me that I, um, continue to go to church for church and not just in the hopes that there'll be like a, a good looking, like a, like a, like a sly, good looking organ player. You know, that was what, anyway, guys, that's church talk from jail. That is sponsored by paper thin wafers, paper thin wafers, providing the Eucharist to your local church for the last 300 years, paper wafers. Um, but that was church. And then I, uh, you know, so I've just been, I've been, I'm running on four hours sleep today, but I, uh, I just had some green tea and a bowl of Raisin Bran Crunch. I went for some Raisin Bran Crunch to stay regular rather than the walnuts um, so if I'm a little off today, it's, you know, you're not getting that big walnut energy. You're getting raisin bran crunch energy. Speaking of food, I'm seeing the whale tonight. So that will be reviewed on making podcasts great again, Patreon for those of you who are crossover fans. Um, I'll be reviewing the whale and Megan. I'm seeing the whale tonight, assuming my shoulder uh, doesn't fall off because uh, I was in tremendous pain this morning, um, which is not a good sign when, Standing on stage in a sling for an hour is enough to like destroy your shoulder that's been surgically repaired. Uh, so this, I'm gonna have some choice words for my doctor on Tuesday because now we're into the we're into the territory of like oh there's some variation in how you recover. To I feel sort of full blown deceived in terms of how I would feel because I'm going on three weeks after surgery and I'm feeling uh, still a decent amount of pain when I do nothing, when I literally sit on the couch and watch content. Um, and read, I feel not, you know, I heal. I, I only need Tylenol. I only need Advil. I mean, you know, I don't need anything super strong. But as soon as I walk for a half hour with a sling and then stand on a stage and, and stuff, um, the pain is, is, is atrocious. So we're not, we're not recovering the way 
maybe maybe this is normal, but it was not what I was promised at all. So that's very frustrating. Um, Cookie is is progressing nicely, slowly but surely. I know that's who you really care about with her foot injury. Um, but yeah, I'm in I'm in I'm in pain right now. To be honest, as I record this, uh, there's really no comfortable place for me to be other than like sitting with a pillow under my arm. Um, so I'm doing this for you guys because I, I care so much about my fans, all 19 of you. Um, a lot of shows coming up, folks, and I need to I need to impress this upon you. Not to sound desperate, but I'm desperate. Ow, fucking arm. God fucking damn it. This is really I'm sorry to I'm sorry to curse. I know this is a, this is a family show, um, but I can't. If, if I had been prepared for like a month long recovery, there's also a chance I would have delayed the surgery knowing that I had all these gigs, but I really was convinced I'd be out of a sling and able to just kind of walk. You know, I, I, I fucking fuck God, this hurts. Um, I was in a position where I was like, okay, you know what? I just got to check the ego. If I can't lift weights, upper body weights for six months and I, I turn into a skinny flabby bitch. So be it. That's the price of money. pay. But I really wasn't signing on for like intense pain for a month. Like that was not what I was told. So this is this is this is really fucking annoying. Ow. So um, that's your medical update uh, sponsored by oxycodone. Um, oxycodone. It'll make you forget your troubles for a few hours. Oxycodone. So uh, <laughs> um, show is coming up. Um, a lot of them and all important, um, pretty much all of the shows, almost all the shows coming up are, you know, revenue sharing shows, which means the more tickets I sell, the better I do. Um, and the less bitching you get to hear. Wouldn't it be great if I was like, guys, I sold out five shows in a row. So this is a gratitude episode. We're not going to bitch at all because you guys showed out for your boy, Ron Reagan Jr., and boy, oh boy, my wallet is fat and my heart is full. Now I sound like a Joel Osteen. My wallet is fat. My heart is full. I love when my pat, my flock gives me money. Oh, you sound great tonight, everybody. Um, but yeah, uh, the show's coming up. Pittsburgh Improv. Big one. Um, there's no Steeler game, so I can't blame light attendance on that this time. I had an okay attendance last time. Enough and. I was good enough that they're giving me a second chance because there was a Steeler game and I think the, 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 the like manager really liked me and it wasn't a bad night. And he said, hey, your people drink a lot, which was also very cool. <laughs> you know, that factors in, you know, 100 people that buy, you know, eight drinks a piece is like, well, it's pretty good. Let's bring back his alcoholic audience. But uh, the point being, that's a big show. January 19th, Pittsburgh Improv. And we're 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 we're. F- we're formulating and fine-tuning that new hour for March 31st and April 1st. So, yeah, that's it. These are all big shows, both for my work and for my wallet. And, and you know, I use the example, again, only because it makes me so sad. But, you know, I haven't gotten a reply email from from uh, the club in Utah, the chain in Utah, over in six months. Like, I performed there in February. I gave it, like, six months. Um, I had a great set. The manager spoke well of my sp- my skills and the fans that showed up were, were killer, killer fans, like real merch buying. Uh, I was getting into a uh, Ric Flair, sorry. Merch buying, uh, glad handing, social media following, Patreon subscribing, sons of guns. 
And but there were just not enough of them. And what are you going to do? Like the club is under no obligation to bring me back just because it's like for vibes or like, hey, you were good. We'll give you another chance. Um, I haven't even gotten a reply to an email in the six months I've been trying. So for people who ask if I'm coming back to Utah, like, uh, seems unlikely. The best thing I can just say is that don't let this happen in your city if you like my comedy. Um, that's I mean, it's it's like I don't want a guilt trip, but that's basically that's the business. Like I said. I can demand and, and, and want a club to book me once, but if for whatever reason, if I don't sell tickets, that's, that, that's the end of their sort of goodwill. And I, I understand that. So who knows when I'll be back in Utah, but for these cities, Pittsburgh, January 19th, and that's part of the improv chain. So obviously having a good show there might help me get shows elsewhere in the, in the improv chain, whether it's Florida or Texas or things like that. So let's hope um, people show up and show out for, uh, for Pittsburgh. And then, um, in February, 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 ow, God damn it. Ow. <laughs> February. Uh, when is it? God damn it. February 3rd. I'm sorry. I can't fucking move my calendar. Cause my fucking God damn. Yeah. February 3rd, Newark, New Jersey, February 7th. Ow. <laughs> February 7th, Chicago Improv. Uh, sorry, fucking Chicago. Shut the uh, Edit. Chicago City Winery. Uh, also, huge show. Um, for real. Very big show for me. Um, and then March 2nd, Montclair, New Jersey. Uh, March 3rd, City Winery in Boston. Uh, March 19th, Washington, D.C. Improv. March 24th, uh, Philadelphia City Winery. March 25th, Catch a Rising Star back in Princeton. And then March 31st and April 1st, the special taping in New York. Um, so ticket sales, uh, you know, for most things I don't think are going very well. So this is a call to action, obviously. Um, and if not, if you can't make it or you don't give a shit, that's, that's fine too. Um, you know, this is just uh, like my shoulder. I think this is the end of the road for me, but we'll see. Um, I'm going to give it my all everybody. Yay. Uh, the old community college try, but, and I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't realize my shoulder was going to be like trying to fucking murder me during this. Like, uh, the oxy is obviously wearing off. I guess I'm getting, um, used to it. And so now I don't know what the fuck to do. Uh, to make this pain go away. Um, very frustrating though. Very, fr like, you know, you take away my organ player and you give me constant pain, Lord. I'm starting to, I'm starting to question you a little bit. Okay. So just, you know, either bring the organ player back or, or bring my shoulder back. I'll take either. Okay. Um, it's my left shoulder. So it's not on my organ player appreciation arm. If you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was vulgar. Um, and I'm just, it's a comedy podcast. I, you know, I don't really think that. I would court the organ player like a man of the church. You know, seek out her parents, have the priest present at like a coffee, a coffee clutch. Uh, <laughs> a clatch, not clutch, clatch. Coffee clatch, I think. Whatever. Who gives a shit, guys? What am I talking about? Just more things people don't understand when I speak. But we'll get to the Long Island crowds in a second. Um, but a lot of shows, um, I always say this and most of you ignore it and it's okay because it's human nature. But, you know, the sooner you buy like a couple of these shows like Princeton and Boston, you know, those are shows with the option to add a second show, which which means lots more money. 
um, for me and just good vibes with the venues. And those are small, small venues. So um, I, I just want to sell tickets in all, to all these shows, obviously. And the sooner you buy your tickets and spread, maybe tell friends who you know in the area, friends that you know, like my stuff or whatever. Um, I don't want it to be a farewell tour, but it might be. And um, But either way, it, it, it's if you're going to go, helpful to buy tickets early for, for many reasons. My peace of mind, my chance to maybe book, ad- to, you know, book additional shows and make more money. Um, but yeah, those, that's the schedule. Um, so check it out on jailcomedy.com. The only shows right now that don't have links are DC and Philly and Princeton, but those should all be, I think up sometime this week. Oh, damn it. Okay. Come on shoulder. Just give me a half hour. Um, oh, and my Patreon is up. How about that? We got a Patreon. Um, a lot of good stuff there. I just posted the, the audio, the full audio of the Friday show in Long Island. Um, so there's a lot of funny stuff and, and really some sneak sneak peeks at some some bits that will be on the next taping, the, the, the April 1st, March 31st taping. So it's, it's, it's almost entirely, it's a lot of new stuff and you get to hear a crowd annoying me as well. So it's, that's, I think, good usage of the Patreon platform, you know, some behind the scenes, some good new stuff, some exclusive new stuff, some behind the scenes, some, 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 some grungy fucking talky chatty bitches interfering with my sets. So it's, um, in addition to the videos and the bonus podcast, that's, that's what I've added, uh, so far this month. Um, as far as books, I'm almost done with Bono's memoir. And after that, it's the biography, the new biography on George Michael, um, and then after that is The Storyteller by Dave Grohl, which was a gift from The Righteous the righteous Girlfriend's Sister for Christmas. So January is going to be Music Bio Month, and I'll be reviewing Bono and George Michael uh, for this month's book review, which, which are, you know, arguably the most popular part of the Patreon content. And then it'll be Black Books for Black History Month, or as I like to call it, Half Black History Month. I'll be reading... Haiti, The Aftershocks of History by Laurent Dubois, uh, Beloved by Toni Morrison, and The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson. Now, I have a lot of travel, um, but I don't know which one I will review in February uh, for or which ones, because Warmth of Other Suns is a pretty substantial, thick book, so that would probably take me the whole month. Um, but I really would like to read Beloved and uh, Haiti, The Aftershocks of History as well, so... Those will be the February books, February to early March books, and I'll review one or two of them uh, for for the February book review for Half Black History Month. Um, what am I watching now, you ask? You didn't ask? Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, I'm watching C, as I think I promised last week, the Jason Momoa. It's blind Khal Drogo, basically. Khal Drogo, his character from Game of Thrones. Basically, it's blind Khal Drogo. I'm four episodes into season one. It's a beautifully shot Apple TV show. And though it's not perfect to me, I mean, there's, 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 I'll just tell you two flaws for me are if you've watched the show, I don't want to spoil anything, but the twins that can read, I don't think it's really ever, ever really shown how they can read without anybody teaching them to read. Like they can see unlike everybody else, but without a teacher to teach you how to read, I'm not sure how you learn to read on your own which is basically what I think they would have had to have done. That's one little flaw, but I'm willing to look past it. And the other is the woman who plays the queen in the show. 
It's, it's very weird. I don't like the way she speaks. Um, and it's just a character choice. It's, it's I don't like it, but I, uh, but overall, it's uh, it's good. I feel like you know, I, I just it's 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 solid. I'm I'm enjoying it because it's like you know sometimes you want. I, I really wish there were more comedy shows on. Um, like like the other two, I could really use another season of the other two. I could re- use like let's bring back Eastbound and Down. I just need some good hardcore half hour comedy. But C is good because it's like eh, it's taking me to another world without it being like a super techie multiverse VR virtual reality fucking uh, whoa, whoa. it's just kind of like a, a dystopian like a spiritual dystopia um, and I, I you know it's so far four episodes in it's only it's only three seasons of eight episodes each so that'll probably be my my January show along with Tulsa King. I'm going to watch Tulsa King on my trip to to Pennsylvania for Pittsburgh because I got a few days in the area. Um, so that'll be my, you know, we'll see if if Taylor Sheridan can make me a fan again after after abandoning my high-minded sensibilities with the overrated Yellowstone. So that'll be the keen kent that oh, that I watch in um, January. So see, so far I'll give you an update. Uh, you know, next week or in two weeks. Um, like I said, I, I figure I'll be probably done with it if I stick with it the whole way before the end of the month. Um, so is that it? Oh yeah, and, and one last thing. I posted a video that's that's blowing up on Twitter, blowing up pretty well. Um, once again, not getting the great views on YouTube, like the I can't figure out the algorithms or whatever. But it's you know, Hakeem Jeffries did his great speech that included the the alphabet. A through Z of like comparing basically the Democrats agenda with the not Democrat agenda, whether it be the MAGA or GOP agenda. And it was viral and it was really good. So, of course, I got on the mic and did a a Trump speech to 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 rebut that one. And people are are really loving it, which is which is nice to see. So I'll, I'll put through the YouTube link in the show comments um, just in case you haven't seen it, in case the algorithm has hidden my genius from you. But, uh, yeah, if you like it, share that. You know, that costs nothing. It's cheaper than Patreon, but still makes me happy. Um, so is that it? I think that's it. Have I watched any more Kane Taint? Um, I'm seeing The Whale and Megan this week. So those reviews will be by both Donald Trump and myself on the Making Podcast Great Again Patreon later this week. I might speak on them in a bonus episode for the JL Max Plus Prime fans. Um, and what else? Um, and thank you to the two people in the last month who, who joined Patreon and, and one person had to quit, um, which is fine. They, they like wrote me, they, it was nice of them to write me a letter, but they didn't have to, but they were just saying their financial situation changed. So was, maybe I just scare people into quitting me. So they feel like they have to tell, but it's, but I appreciate any support. Um, and you know, I'm, I, my comedy should never be a priority for anybody except me. Um, so any, any, Thing you can watch or share or if you're able to contribute and join and get the bonus stuff uh that's great and obviously coming to see me live is is the holy grail as far as i'm concerned that's the most important thing if you have to ever choose uh where to spend your your jl appropriations uh but um yeah and oh uh well we might as well just get into the gigs now i think that's it i think that's all i need to speak on so 
I was booked uh, this month at the brokerage, a few months ago at the brokerage in Belmore, Long Island. But Showtime has been renting out the club for like a couple of months to film something. I don't know if they're filming bar scenes for a show or comedy or nightclub scenes, but they've been, um, they've been occupied, like the club's been closed for a couple of months. So I was hoping, I like that club. It's like a nice sized Long Island room where like a mediocre guy like myself can kind of, hey, we got two thirds of a crowd in here, but that's good enough for me. That makes it feel pretty good. Um... And I was hoping that if they've been closed for a long time, maybe you get a little extra boost in attendance because they can announce like, hey, we're finally back open, everybody in the area. So like if you want a night out to start the new year, let's have some laughs. We, you know, we, we've been closed for months. But unfortunately, Showtime informed them on Wednesday night that they were still going to be filming. And I just thought to myself, isn't this, JL, the, 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 the downfall is complete. I was a year ago, 11 months ago, I was on Showtime. And now I'm being bumped like I ne- like we never had a fling showtime, like I meant nothing to you. Like I was just some whore doing billions for you. And you boot me out of my own gig. Man. Um, really, just, just, you know, I'll never trust showtime again. Unless they want to buy my special or put me on anything. And then I'll trust them uh, completely. Um, so I got moved to uh, Governor's, which is the larger comedy club in Levittown. And the first night, I had to be in the Giggle Room, which is actually, a, uh, I hadn't been there in a while since they renovated it. It's actually been done up to be a pretty nice, like, if I had to guess, like, 65-seat room. Um, and I was in there, and my pay was the same. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't change just because I was going to be playing a smaller venue. Um, and in the main room was a guy, a TikTok star, who had, I believe, sold out the room. And I could hear through the wall of our green room, I could hear like not a not as many laughs, but like there was a lot of call and response as as Jay, Jay Nog uh, opened for me on both shows in Long Island. And that was actually a lot of fun. Um, he was he was joking. Yeah, the guy's probably saying, like, where's Brooklyn at? But it was it was a lot of call and response and a lot of F-bombs. And this is because I think the guy, and this is this is a, a larger point, um, nothing personal against this guy who has 1.5 million TikTok followers, but I've discussed my my chats with the Lord over, over half blackface and how I might have defied his will by continuing to do comedy. Like I asked for a sign and he said, I did exactly what you said would make you quit jail. You said you would quit comedy. You promised me you'd quit comedy if I fucked up the camera on your special. That's exactly what I did, and yet you're still doing comedy. But TikTok, it has it has reverse engineered the success path. And I know I sound I'll sound bitter, but I'm also right. I care as much as I shouldn't. I really like stand-up comedy. I was a stand-up comedy fan before I ever had an, had an any even curiosity about doing stand-up. I watched Chris Rock and George Carlin on HBO. I liked seeing like these Cam Neely fundraisers with like Boston comics and you know, on Comedy Central. I liked watching Comedy Central presents when it first started. Before I, you know, all these things. It was just I liked stand-up comedy. It's it's a you know, I would have been a great stand-up comedy fan. I would have been somebody, you know, I loved going on dates to comedy clubs even after I had started doing stand-up comedy. 
Um, I hadn't been broken and jaded yet. But I care about the order of things. In other words, stand-up comedy shouldn't be a, a way station for influencers and humor people to like figure out how the fuck to apply their TikTok or Instagram celebrity. And I've seen people, I've seen people that make funny stuff, but stand-up comedy is a different thing. And because we're allowing popularity to be, and I get it, I get that it's a business, but like, I think nobody cares anymore. Like, if you're somebody grandfathered in who did it, you know, how I would say the right way, then great. You're going to stay in. You're grandfathered in. You've built that fan base. You are your TikTok proof. But for people like me who, who didn't quite get where they wanted to get, I obviously have elevated myself thanks, you know, in, in large part to all of the success I had in 2020 as much of a double-edged sword as it's been. But I didn't get to the, the level I needed to and, and, and TikTok might have been might have been the path. Now, I wouldn't feel guilty if TikTok made me a star because I'd be like, well, it's it's taking somebody who's done all the work to become a good stand-up comedian and just giving me publicity versus I tell hacky stories or funny stories. I shoot funny little sketches um, or I do lazy sort of man-on-the-street stuff, but it's made me super popular and I've hit the algorithm lottery. These are people who kind of rely on personality and familiarity and can sell out clubs. And I think I think we are at we've re, we're past the tipping point. I mean, I don't have decades probably to keep growing my career and trying to get somewhere. I need to get somewhere now or get out. And I don't think that's going to happen. And, and when I see a guy who I can just hear, and I know, I'm, hey, if his fans like him, that's that's all that matters. But What's go- what's happening and what's going to happen to stand-up comedy as as an art form when the way to break through as a new talent is only twofold: be friends with somebody who's already in, or become a TikTok star. Um, and I hackiness thrives on TikTok because it's reaching it's reaching so many more people than our stand-up comedy fans, that the stand-up comedy club business feels like it's going to morph into a sort of celebrity meet-and-greet business, um, at least on the margins where I exist. Obviously, uh, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Sebastian Mascalco, um, on the next, the lower level than that, like the Sam Morrill, Mark Norman, Joe Lists of the world, they're going to be fine. Like, they're good. They're good to great. They are, they're built in. They came up what I would call the right way. So they use these tools to keep growing their fan base or to keep their fan base engaged. But they've, they're real stand up comics. Like, so, so in, in that sense, it's safe at that level. But on that level or two levels below them where I exist, where it's like, well, I, I became kind of social media famous, but not social media famous enough. And I thought my skills as a comic would fill that gap. Like, I could fill the gap of, well, I'm not, a viral sensation on TikTok, but but I have a decent amount of fans, and I'm and plus I'm much better at at stand up than 
almost all, if not all, of these sort of non-stand-up, you know, originating influencers and, and comedic personalities. And I, I, I want to believe that, but I don't, I don't, I know that that's not true. I think we are, we're past the tipping point where it's like, people just want to, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know how to succeed in this business. And I'm, I'm nervous for where it's going because you see more and more internet sensations and TikTok stars. And the fact remains it's great for the comedy club business because you're expanding the fan base to non stand-up fans. You're expanding the stand fan base to maybe celebrity fans and, and shit like that. And these non comics get to like, they don't, they don't have to go through open mics and, and, and find their voice and they just deliver what fans want. And, and these fans who are maybe not familiar with stand-up comedy, they don't know if something's good or hacky or unoriginal or stolen they just know that like, oh man, he's like, he, oh yeah, that's, he was fun. Like that was fun. And I'm not saying it's great for people to have fun, but at some point you go, what about, what about this long standing art known as stand-up com- comedy? Um, and the people who, who've gotten really good at it, like where's the place for them to fit in and thrive um, without being TikTok celebrities? And it, it feels like, there isn't. Um, like I said, I'm I'm speaking for the people on the cusp or on the margins or or at a tipping point in their own careers. That's who I'm speaking. And it's like the tide is so it feels even more against us than it would be 10 or 20 years ago, even if being in your early 40s would would make you not a fresh new talent that we can mold and pitch. It feels even worse now. Um, now, the, the flip side of this is if I found a way to become a TikTok celebrity in 2023, like, oh, my God, get, like two of my videos got nine million hits. I now have half a million TikTok followers. Then then I then that's it. But I don't really know how to play the game. And. I don't I, I don't want to. I think is also part of the problem. And I know that's the part I have to get over. That's the part I shouldn't feel. Uh, that's where pride gets in the way. Um, but the general audience for stand-up comedy is so much larger now that it incorporates people who don't know stand-up comedy as well. It incorporates many more stupid people, sensitive people, star-fucking people who are just like, I, I, uh, oh yeah. But anyway, I think you get the gist of my gripes, but I'm in the small room. It's, it's, it's packed in the big room for the, for the TikTok guy. And we get the show underway. And the, and the show in the small room is uh, Jay opened up and he did mostly crowd work, which he kind of he admit he said, like, I basically had to. I got like five minutes of jokes and 15 minutes of crowd work. But it worked. It worked. It got the job done. It got the crowd laughing and kind of focused on stand up. And I was like, OK, well, it looks like Jay whipped them into shape. The MC, this woman, Olga, very funny jokes, a little bit drier of the delivery, but very funny jokes. But like. It wasn't bumping. She's she's maybe not like her energy is maybe not great MC energy, but her her jokes are really good. And Jay kind of brought more of an MC energy to the feature spot because I think he felt he had to, and it worked. He got and I, so when I went on stage, I felt very confident. I was like, okay, Jay fucking whipped him in the shape. Nice work. Um, and I went through my set. 
And there was a table of like seven or eight women close to the stage who who really almost never stopped talking or looking at text. Like they were middle-aged women, like probably in their late 40s, early 50s or mid-50s. Um, or just you know, horrible, horrible, horribly aging, you know, 35-year-olds. But um, – they just kind of never stopped talking. And the thing is, in this small room, one of the one of the one of the catch twenty twos of being such a big, sort of intimidating presence that I can be is that I have to be careful of of wielding that because in a small room, yelling at a table of eight women, I could really derail the show just by changing the energy. And there was no bouncer or security or anybody, any wait staff really checking them at all. And in fact, when the wait staff would come in, they'd be like, hello, what do you want? And they'd be like, I want two more of these. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, I felt like a jazz trio in the corner as part of a cocktail hour of, like to these women. Like, they were just like, you know, I might as well have been like, Boom, 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 boom. And instead of a live comedy show. So I, I made some sarcastic quips to them, but I, 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 I didn't, because it's the small room and because I it felt like they didn't care that much about the small room, I didn't want to say to the waitstaff, like, can we get somebody to handle this? Because it was like, eh. They, and and I, had, I had a friend from, from work who, who brought his crew out. And he was like, yeah, there were, there were some bits like we really kind of couldn't hear because they just kept talking over everything and it was really annoying. And I left the stage that night and I, I, I like was co- convinced I was just, I really was done with comedy. Not like, oh man, this, I was like, I'm done. Like, f- like this ain't for me anymore. Like everything about this night was so symbolic. I, I've got a mostly full tiny room with with a table of people who couldn't couldn't care less like they paid money either for their tickets or for their or just for their all their drinks and food but they could care fucking less who's on stage what i'm saying and it was really fucking you know and then with a tiktok guy uh, uh, selling out the next room and all I'm hearing through the wall in the green room is like F-bombs and and like, hey, what about you? Like, and I'm like, oh, my God. He's like he's like impersonating a comedian, it felt like. Like, if that makes sense. Like, uh, fake it till you make it. It's like you've made it. Now you fake it. And then if you stick at it long enough, maybe you'll become an authentic comedian with millions in the bank during that open mic phase. I don't begrudge him or any influencer for making money. But who's the gatekeeper? Like, when do we? And it's a rhetorical question. When do we put art ahead of money? We don't and we never will. And it's but it's only getting worse. So it just felt very richly symbolic the whole night. Um, and so I got home. I felt terrible. Um, am I forget? Oh, no, no. And I'm forgetting the part where I bought a homeless man a sandwich. So I get to Penn Station get my train. Uh, Jay, Jay dropped me off in the city, took a little detour before going home, dropped me off in the city. So that was, that saved me a lot. That saved me money and time. Um, and we, uh, so I'm, I'm looking for a snack cause I got like a half hour before, uh, before the train. And there's only a couple delis open at that hour in Penn station in New York. So a homeless guy walks up to me like younger, younger than me. Maybe not young, young, but like probably like 30s. And he's like, 
hey, man, can you buy me a sandwich, please? And I was like, yeah, fuck it. And I was like, maybe this will make me feel better. Um, Because it was one of those things where I was just moping and feeling like shit. And then this homeless dude is like, can you buy me a sandwich? And I was like, yeah, what the fuck am I moping for? I mean, I'm mo- I have a good reason to mope for my, my professional reasons, but this this guy, like, you know, and, and as we approached, he, go, uh, he, he, like, pointed to the deli he wanted to go to. So I was like, okay. And he, uh, I was afraid, like, I thought he was, like, telling me what he wanted. He was like, I want a BLT. I was like, oh, you, you tell him. You tell him what you want. It's cool. But I thought he was going to approach me and be like, oh, can I just have $10? Because that's when I would be like, nah, man, I'll buy you food, but not, like, even though I'm not trying to, if somebody needs drugs, honestly, at this point, I'm like, all right, man, you're fucking homeless. Like, I'm not trying to, I don't want you to die off or, or hurt yourself. But like, you know, I'm sitting here with a painful shoulder going, I wish I had my axe and you're fucking out in these streets homeless. Like, who am I, who am I to fucking stand in the way of like some temporary relief uh, from, from that world? Um... But I wasn't going to give him my, like, he asked for a sandwich. I'm like, I'll get you a sandwich. Yeah, let's get you a sandwich, fella. And so he walks up to the counter and he's like, a BLT, um, no tomato, extra bacon, very little mayo, and the little, little uh, um, uh, Latino guy behind the counter was like, he understood, but like the accent was throwing the guy off. And, and my, my homeless guy was getting like angry. And it was then that it dawned on me, nothing happened, there was no confrontation or anything, but it dawned on me, I was like watching somebody and I go, this is somebody who probably needs like, I mean, forget the fact that just being homeless in New York City and, you know, the dangers, the stresses, the depression, the, 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 the vulnerability that comes from all that, that will make somebody loony on its own. But I looked the way he was interacting and he almost seemed like a guy who, who might just have this slight anger problem or something like just because he was like, no, little mayo, extra bacon. But the guy that was saying mayo bacon, it was almost like you, you, if you're not listening closely, you could think he was saying like extra mayo, l- no bacon. But I, he was getting it. But he didn't get too tense. But the guy's order, he basically was like, I want a BLT with no tomato, extra bacon, cheddar cheese. And pickles instead of tomatoes. And he was very forceful about that order. Um, and I was like, you mean you want a bacon grilled cheese? <laughs> and I was like, is this you trying to scam them? Like, is a BLT cheaper than a bacon? I was like, well, thank you for trying to save me, but they weren't having it. Um, they, they So they charged me like $9.75 for the sandwich. And, you know, they were making it. And the guy said, thank you, man. And he gave me, gave me, gave me a, a, a fist. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then I was walking away. He just yelled out, thank you so much. And I said, oh, you're welcome. And I felt, you know, I felt a little better then. Because it was just, that's, that's one of those things where you just go, ugh, I can't let comedy get me down. Like, not, it can get me down professionally, but it shouldn't get me down personally. Which I let it, because every gig is, like, personal to me. Because every gig, because I don't have the career I want, every gig feels like life and death. Like, it, it, that's how it feels. It feels like this is the pressure I put on myself to try and perform well and to try and be the best I can be. But you 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 put this pressure like 
your career hinges on this gig or improving this bit or being good on this. And it's, it's, I don't think it's very healthy the way I approach it. Um, but I let it infect my personal life too much. And so, um, you know, helping uh, get, getting gratitude from a homeless dude who was probably really fucking hungry. That, that was a good way to end the night. And, and, you know, I was miserable. I was complaining to Jay the whole ride home. And he was like, it really wasn't that bad, dude. Like they just had a couple stupid tables who wouldn't stop talking. And so I watched, uh, I listened to the set the next, the next morning just to review, see if there are any notes I could make on some bits. And I listened back to it and I was like, um, this is a fucking good set. Like I get so in my head and so frustrated if I'm not like getting exactly what I want out of a crowd or if, if, if a table's talking and like ruining my night, it doesn't mean I had a bad set. So that's why I put it up on Patreon. So you can both hear the good material, the good new material, and also just hear these annoying women who never shut the fuck up. So that was like a little, little behind the scenes feature length audio for you on, on the Patreon. So Saturday comes, my shoulder's killing me because apparently my shoulder is in, in condition where standing on stage for 50 minutes in a sling is too much for it to stand, which I think is a good sign that it is not healing great. But uh, I head out to, uh, back out to, to Long Island and I got my, uh, got, I had a chopped salad the night before waiting in Penn Station for the Long Island Railroad. This time I went to Burger Joint and had a burger, fries, and a water. Uh, and just read, read a little bit in my, my, my book and then went, uh, went to Hicksville, which is the closest station to Levittown and Jay was going to pick me up like an hour later. Uh, or what do you get me 40 minutes later? So I went into the Dunkin' Donuts near there and I saw like, uh, it was an Indian woman and her son and, uh, they gave me a couple extra jelly donuts because it was closing time. And she was like berating her son, not like too meanly, but she was definitely like being like a little bit tiger mom with, with her son. Like one day you will take over the Dunkin' Donuts, Sandeep. And he was like, I don't want to do that, mom. No, I'm kidding. But, um, I wanted to walk up to the guy and go, you know, you could just open a Chippendales because I've been watching Chippendales. That's the other thing I've been watching. I'm four episodes into eight episodes of uh, Welcome to Chippendales on um, on Hulu. And so I wanted to make that joke. And I was like, well, let's not start the night off with a reference that, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts guy won't get probably. Like, let's let's save all the confusion for the paying audience in, in an hour and a half. So Jay picks me up and we go to the club. And uh, the first show is letting out, and it was radio personality comedian Goomba Johnny was on the early show, packed crowd. Um, and I mean, that's that's like among the other trends. The, the the biggest trend and disturbance in the force for me, as far as comedy is concerned, is is TikTok by a mile. But boy, oh boy, the the rise and 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 there've been Italian comics and stereotypes and all that and whatever the Italian equivalent of shucking and jiving is like what what stirring the sauce would that be shucking and jiving for a for a for an Italian comic uh, we got a family and you know what I can't stand is all these soft kids and all the black things matter stuff and remember when you was just everybody was equal and then you know your ma would call you in and hit you with a wooden spoon and you'd have to go to church and see the nun with the big cannons and 
you know, that shit was very simple back then. And then, you know, my dad was old school. Sure, he used the N-word, but he used it like, you know, politely. And now they want to make it all racial. They want to make it all racial. And that's a fucking shame because we were so much better. Now, I know some of you might not like Trump, but I got to say, as an Italian, I like to see a guy who's not afraid to pay somebody under the table to get the job done. You know, and I, you know what I'm saying. You grew up like that, didn't you? Where sometimes a guy had to do a thing to get a thing done. Now everything's, oh, I need the forms. I need the, yeah, I got your forms right here. Grabs crotch. <laughs> so the, the stirring the sauce is going to be my term for Italians who shuck and jive, who just give you this like, and, and there is a never ending thirst from from Italian Americans to see themselves on stage be you know the day Sinatra ain't coming back you know it's now a, it's an Andrew Dice clayification of the culture it's no longer you don't want Dean Martin and 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 Frank Sinatra you want Dice Clay and Maniscalco um, and you'll take it from everybody. There is like a never-ending supply of these dudes who it's like, it's the meatball and sauce night with Guinea, Guinea Guillermo and fucking uh, Goomba Jerry. So Goomba Johnny was in there um, before the crowd's letting out. But then there's like a big crowd waiting to go in the room. So they obviously I called myself the king of comedy instead of comedy. Comp meaning... When a, when, a, when a club has a comic and he's not selling that well, they don't really care that much if they can get asses in the seats with free tickets because it's really the food and drink that's going to pay the bills. So I don't know how many people bought tickets to see me on Saturday night for the Late Show, but I'm just guessing it was a lot of comps. But uh, once Goomba Johnny got out of the green room with all those people, um, you know, the show started 35 minutes late. That's important. The show starting 35 minutes late is an important detail here, guys. So, show starts at 10.05. And Olga goes on, does well. Jay goes on and does well. And then I get up there. And I got about 30... I just watched the tape before getting on the show. I go about 35 minutes of pretty hard crushing. And 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 I'm not, I'm not fucking giving them an inch. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm doing the jokes for the special. I'm doing... Um, dry wit shit that may not fly with everybody but for about 35 minutes i'm doing doing well and then i said if you're elder and then i got to this cell phone bit about noises and you know how many you know i think you can tell how stupid a person is by how many noises their cell phone makes and i go mine's on silent now if you're elderly you can have some bells and whistles obviously because it's not your thing the cell phone you know isn't what you grew up with maybe your senses are dulling and somebody went what's elderly to you and i just without missing a beat said 40 for a woman, 65 for a man. Why do you ask? And people are like, whoa. And I said, ah, it's just, I'm just using the still our president method of judging the genders. And then I went into a brief impression where I was like, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're 40, it's like, why, why don't you just kill, should, maybe you should kill yourself. It's, it's sort of disgusting. But if you're 70, if you're a strong man in 70, that's practically like 40. It's a great time. And some guy, and you could tell how dumb he was by how provincial his accent was. The best president ever. And I said, oh, you think, I said, oh, you think Donald Trump's the best president ever? He goes, yup. And I said, so better than Washington, Lincoln, and FDR? And maybe you can throw Reagan in there also. And I was like, okay, well, you're wrong. You know, I, 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 you're entitled to your opinion, no matter how completely wrong it is. But I'm not here to, 
I'm here for laughs. I'm here for laughs. I'm not here to educate. And then he goes like, my 401k. And I, I said, hey, my 401k took a hit too, man. I, I feel you. I'm, now I'm just rich. And I took a beat there and I said, I'm kidding. I'm not rich. But I was, I, this crowd, I lost, I lost the back section. The back section of, is where I guess they put all the fucking January 6th uh, attendees and their gumars. Um, they were all in the back and the chatter picked up. And and then I could hear this. There were a couple guys, but one guy was like, at one point I just made another joke. He goes, you're, I heard, I didn't hear him, fortunately, all the things he was saying, but he was like, you're an idiot. And I wish I had heard him because I, I would have, I don't care about lose like, I'm literally not here for you, sir. You're dumb. You're a stupid person. And I am working on a bit for the special called the, the, the Failing of White Fathers. And Donald Trump really is, at the end of the day, this surrogate fantasy daddy for, like, broken white dudes. And they still defend him like it, like it, like it reflects on them. Like they put their hopes and dreams in this grifting moron and they fell for it and now they're so emotionally invested in his I'm not emotionally invested in Joe Biden I like Joe Biden but I'm but Joe Biden is not like me I'm not I wasn't even really emotionally invested in Obama to be honest I found it very inspirational when he got elected but more just about me like hey biracial here we go there we go um but these people, they're, they're, they're so locked in because it's like some of their worth is tied up in Trump. It's a credit to Trump's ability to develop a cult-like mentality. That is a skill, but that's what it is. And like, you're an idiot. And they were done with me. Like that, like, like a third of the crowd was done um, because they couldn't even accept a joke about Trump. This And that was, I made the mistake of when I had that great show in, in, in McGuire's in Bohemia Lounge, which was like 90% MAGA rally. I sold a ton of merch after that show. I crushed with those people because I kind of came into enemy territory and earned their respect. Whereas this one, and Jay made the point after the show, he's like, problem was this crowd was like 50-50. So they weren't going to give. They're too insecure and dumb to just have fun with it. And I'm, I was killing. Like, I watched the tape. I was killing for 35 minutes, but made fun of Trump a little bit, even though I did it in the impression, which some people were, like, clapping for. Oh, they were done with me. And, like, you're an idiot. And it's like, really? And if I had heard that, I could have made my usual pitch, which is like, oh. So I made a couple of jokes about Trump, and now you're you're done with me? I thought that was the left who acted like entitled pussies. But it seems like... Uh, MAGA, MAGA tards can do that too. Interesting. Interesting, sir. Thank you for letting me know that it's not just the left that's soft. And then you, you know, and, and then it doesn't matter if I lose them or not, because I've made my point, which is like, are you here for comedy? Or are you here? Are you here to just be validated or safe? It's so, it's so funny how, how the, these morons never, and I'm, when I say morons, I'm not talking about all MAGA voters as far as comedy audiences go, because I have had Right-wing people, on board. Trump fans, on board. They get what the fuck is happening. But the, the, these people were like that insecure, like, yeah, this fuck, I fucking Trump. He's fucking Trump, my Trump. My, and then so I, then I was like, I started doing my like, you know, I'm, I'm basically going to end up being the, what Chappelle is to trans people. I'm going to end up being to Italians. 
Um, and when the special finally comes out, half blackface, they, they, they take a, Italians take a solid beating. <laughs> um, but they, uh, then I just leaned into it and was like, how dare he insult our great president, our great big dick president. He is a girthy man. He's not. And then the guy said something about Reagan. I was like, okay, so, so if you had to suck one president's dick, Reagan or Trump, sir, who would it be? And then I just moved on. But then there was like all that chatter. And then, so the show ends. It went well, but I, 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 the back tables who were in it and the show unfortunately went 35 minutes late. So that's a long time to be out when you were maybe thinking you'd be home at, a, you know, out at 11.10, you're getting out at 11.45. And they, uh, a lot of the back tables walked. Some of them probably just bored or they are too late. And some were probably like, I don't like this guy anymore, which I just find so funny. It's so rich. These are the people who will see no irony about like, so Dave Chappelle says trans people are fucking lying and shouldn't exist. And there you see how the left gets so upset. They're such pussies. And then I make a joke about Trump. Um, just about him not liking older women was basically the joke. And and somebody had to step up and go, best president. And that's that's where things got, I, as I looked on the tape, that's where they derailed. And that's where I lost the back. I think, like I said, I think the time of the show, the fact that it was getting very late didn't help me. But these people were so checked out. And then when I was getting off stage, walking backstage, I think it was the same guy. And I don't know if he said it so I could hear it, if he didn't realize I was right there, or if he was just talking to somebody. But as I'm like going in backstage, I hear, that guy was horrible. And I was like, horrible? You fucking, you, 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 you pussy. Horrible? Like, I was on stage for 52 minutes. I crushed unequivocally for 35 and then things got 50-50 after that. But, and I could just hear me like, when he, you see the people leaving when he was going on Trump? And I was like, oh my God, these are such fucking soft people. And you know me. I know that this, isn't, this is the area where I do say both sides. But the left takes a fucking beating for every newspaper headline about cancel or this. The right is a bunch of pussies too. These are and these are people who are like pussies by nature, but they don't think they're pussies. They they've defined the terms of what constitutes patriotism and toughness and woke and cancel culture, but they're they're soft as shit. They just front. They front like they're tough because they like bullying people that are different. But when it comes to their own house, they're they're soft as as fucking melting butter. So I'm like, I'm in a way, I'm like, I leave that show going, good. I'm glad. And I said to Jay and, and, and his wife on the ride home back to the city, I said, I'm glad that there's a couple conversations going on right now with people going, is that guy even funny? Like, how do they book this guy? How, like, A, forgetting that I crushed for the first two thirds of my set. But like, they're so wrapped up in their Trump affection or or like, symbiosis that they just forgot that they were laughing at a bunch of jokes. They're like, that guy, how does he even get booked? He was horrible. You see how he was going after? There was no, that was, it's just he's, they, he put politics ahead of comedy. He put politics, and I fucking hate that. Why can't he be like Guinea Steve, who just gets up there, complains about the blacks and the gays, and talks about the source and his grandma? 
why can't it be like that's now that's comedy that's comedy when Fanucci, Fanucci the Fanuke, you know, who's the gay, remember the gay Italian comic, Fanucci the Fanuke? I got no problems with the gays, but he gets up there and he just, he does the jokes. He doesn't try to get political and make me, make me convert to his way of life. He just does, and it's okay. And I, you see me, I'm not, I'm the least prejudiced person you know, but I just want that stuff kept out of the con. And this guy, I hope, I, oh man, this Jimmy better not book this guy again because I might have to take my comedy business elsewhere because I don't I don't I don't like it when they get too political. I don't like that. But I did like it when that guy called Biden a pedophile, senile piece of shit. But that was comedy. That was comedy. You see the difference, Teresa? That's comedy. That's not this political hack bullshit that this guy was doing. You know, stick it with, go to Trevor Noah if that's what you want to do, if you want to do that, that fucking guy. But anyway, um, where's my where's my uh, cannoli for dessert? I asked you to go to a fucking bakery and get me a cannoli. You can get a fucking cannoli. I will fucking tune you up, Teresa. Go now. Go now. I don't care that they fucking close. You show up here without a cannoli, we're going to have fucking problems. And that's Italian Long Island comedy fan. And scene. So, but when we left, Jay, uh, Jay, uh, I comped a couple of Jay's friends. A couple came, very attractive Latin woman and her her white husband, and uh, they were uh, they they were very polite. The husband seemed to like my bit. the The wife seemed to kind of just give me a like, oh, very very cool, very cool. Thanks for having us. I was like, okay, she didn't like my shit. But then she caught the poster out shoulder. She caught the poster of the uh, TikTok guy who was there the night before. And I saw her just lock eyes at the post. She goes, I know that. Is he like a, yeah, he's a TikTok guy, right? And while we were continuing the conversation, I couldn't help but see, I think she like took a picture of his photo to like make sure that she tracked down his info. And I said, that is it. That's, that is the way this weekend should end. Um, is that even the people I comped who are here for Jay, um, they want to know about the TikTok guy. Um, which is, of course, hey, do what you want to do. But that's it's, it, it, it solidified just the new world order. And it's 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 unfortunate, I think. Um, without any individual attack on any individual TikToker, but it, it, it will never not bother me that the, the stand-up stage that I've worked singularly hard on for 19 years to become the comedian I am, I'm now competing with, with audiences who don't really give a shit about stand-up comedy and with entertainers who don't really give a shit about stand-up comedy but it's just the easiest way for them to make money off of their clout oh fuck ow oh fuck sorry guys um god this is in this isn't a lot of pain i apologize uh oh fuck my life god damn it ow let's finish this fucking thing up ow fuck fuck sorry guys um but then the epilogue of the story is a sad one like this shoulder because okay i'm gonna pause for a second fuck okay guys i'm back and uh i'll try to make this quick because my shoulder is 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 in excruciating pain (laughs) but uh so jay unfortunately on the ride home the last train unbeknownst to me I didn't know the last train out of New York Penn Station was 122 to anywhere in Jersey. So I thought there was a 150. But the last train that went to my uh, town 
1234. So I knew I missed that, but I was like, oh, I think there's like a 150 to Newark. Well, the last train was 122. So Jay, unfortunately, didn't put in the detour. Didn't put in the detour on the GPS that he had the night before. So once we got to an area where I was like, I think we're in the fucking Bronx and I think we're going directly back to your house. He had to make a fast and furious move and get me back into the city. So we got back to the city at one instead of like 1230. So if you factor in, I'm only blaming Jay for half of that delay, but obviously the other half is the delay at the club. So I could have, I, I could have been, you know, possibly making the last train to my town if there had been no wrong turns and no delay at the club. But I, I thought I had till 150. So I get to Penn Station it's gated off. And I go, that's weird. I guess I'll walk to the Madison Square Garden side of the venue. At which point I saw two smaller rats run in front of me. I was like, oh, gross. Then I was in a pedestrian walkway where like it's no, no way out. And I saw a rat. When I say the size of a cat, I always thought people were bullshitting. I saw a rat the size of a fucking cat. And when I say a cat, I don't mean like a full grown house cat. Like if, if, you're, if any of you have like a small cat, but like a cat. Okay, bigger than a squirrel, smaller than like a full-grown normal house cat, but a cat. I saw a rat the size of a fucking cat basically ahead of me in this pedestrian walkway. So despite my shoulder and my sour mood and wondering how I was getting home, I pull vault, you know, I, I hurdled uh, the the divider and crossed the street to avoid the cat, the cat rat. I get to Penn Station, the Madison Square Garden, and a police officer uh, stops me and goes, hey, sir, where, where are you headed? And I go, New Jersey. He goes, last New Jersey Transit was 122. I look at my watch. It's 131. So I go, okay, cool. Thank you. And I then um, got a lift, ordered a lift back to, the, uh, back to the house, back to the apartment in Jersey for a spiffy $76. Um, and, uh, you know, just really had to contemplate life at that point. My shoulder was killing me like it is now. So you're getting a real authentic, uh, experience, uh, right now. But, um, I got home, was greeted by cookie, woke up the righteous girlfriend, told them briefly about the evening, had a bowl of raisin bran crunch with an oxy and went to sleep and woke up four and a half hours later for eight thirty mass. So, that is the story of my time in Long Island. Highs and lows, mostly lows, followed by unexpected lows, followed by a decent podcast despite excruciating shoulder pain right now. So I'm going to go see what I can do about this shoulder. I hope this doesn't stop me from seeing Brendan Fraser as a fat fuck in the whale. I say that because that's the term. That's a preferred term now because I saw online somebody was saying obese is a slur. And I was like, you know what? Somebody needs to like muzzle some of these left wing people who want to make every like obese is not a slur. Fat fuck is a slur. If somebody if somebody says I'm obese or I think you're obese, um, that's 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 not a slur. And and I'm sorry, I don't I will never like, you know, whatever. I was making a joke there. That was probably mean, but you get that I was joking. Uh, but I will see uh, the whale hopefully tonight if my shoulder can take it. But I'm I'm questioning that uh, right now, as you can imagine, because sitting in a sitting in a movie recliner will, with like a jacket cushioning my arm will actually be pretty much as comfortable as I'd be at home. But sitting in the podcast throne uh, is very difficult. So. Um, not that I want to play on your sympathies, but, uh, guys, I'm in bad shape. So 
Uh, if you can make a live show, get those tickets. Tell your friends. Let's let's do this up. Let's get the JL farewell tour, the 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 send off it deserves with with two thirds full crowds instead of one third. And uh, and yeah, the Patreon I think is worth your money even for a month, um, but maybe for for continued support. So whatever you can do, uh, and check out the video. Like I said, it was it was very funny. The Hakeem Jeffries rebuttal by Trump that was blowing up on social. And now I'm gonna go just uh, take care of my shoulder. But have a great week, guys. Thank you, as always, for listening. Hope to see you at one of those shows coming up. Um, And uh, I guess I think that's it. So great, guys. Have a good week. See you next Tuesday.